Happy Friday, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody staying cool? Yeah, due to weather, we need to stay cool. But it's tough to stay cool with the Mets, the way the Mets are playing these days, isn't it? And the beat goes on. The West Coast teams beat us bad. And for 13 games, the beat went on. We lost 11 out of 13. And let's face it, we're hanging by a thread at this point. But we're still hanging in there. Never give up hope. Doesn't look good. But we'll see what happens. It was a brutal loss. A brutal 13-game stretch. A brutal series against the Giants. A brutal way to start the homestand. And I remember when Pete Alonzo was even referring to this as the show-me stretch. And it came to a close Thursday night. And to be honest, the Mets didn't show much. It ended in a familiar, frustrating fashion. And the only thing the Mets might have shown themselves during the growing stretch was the door with regarding to their playoff hopes. Now, despite the best start of Carlos Carrasco's season, the Mets' offense came up small again. The Giants got to Seth Lugo for a run in the eighth inning to capture a 3 2 win in a series sweep at Philadelphia. I wish we were in Philadelphia, at City Field. The Mets are 61 and 66 now, five games under 500. So we basically have to win five in a row just to get to 500. And like I said, we were just 2 and 11 during this 13 game stretch, including seven one run losses against the Giants and Dodgers. The National League's two top powerhouses. And again, the offense was largely the culprit, averaging just 3.1s per game while batting 15 for 99 with runners in scoring position. Yes, the beat goes on. And let's face it, Dodgers and Giants are just way better than us. Mets hung in there, but that's no consolation prize. They got to get it done. Now you got five weeks left, and it's going to be a huge test. For the team and as individuals, who's going to show up? They can't fold, they can't back down, they got to play hard. You never know what's going to happen. But it's a daunting section. The daunting section of the schedule is done with. And they entered it just a half game out of first place. This 13-game sked against the Giants and Dodgers. And they fell at the seven half games back at the Rays by the end of Thursday with 35 games left. And you got to admit, the odds aren't good. But the good news is there's always a glimmer of hope and the Mets now have 15 straight games against the Lowy Nationals and Marlins. But it remains to be seen whether the hole they just dug themselves in will be too big to escape. Anything can happen. Now even owner Steve Cohen called the Mets out during the unproductive offensive days of this homestand in a tweet in the middle of the 13-game stretch. And he tried a more encouraging approach Thursday. said, let's win this game. Come on. But even Uncle Steve, again, couldn't work the magic with the power of Twitter. The Mets loaded the bases with two outs. 
But pinch hitter Jeff McNeil grounded out, leaving the bases loaded for the second time in as many nights to end the threat. And that was in the bottom of the eighth inning. Yeah, the Mets didn't come up with a big hit. And the Giants did. That's what makes the Giants winners. It's a thin line between failure and success. Now, the Giants got, in the eighth in, got into the eighth inning. Uh, and they faced Seth Lugo. And Lugo only faced three batters while recording it out. He hit a batter with a pitch and gave a pair of singles through the shift. The second one by Darren Ruff scored Mike Yastrzemski from second for the 3-2 lead. Aaron Loop relieved Logo and issued a walk to load the bases before escaping the jam without allowing a run. It did spoil Carrasco's best start of the season. He won seven strong innings after giving up a two-run homer to Chris Bryant in the first inning. He left with the score tied 2-2 in Alonzo's 447-foot two-run blast that just stayed fair in the bottom of the sixth. Carrasco rebounded from Bryant's homer by retiring 20 of the next 21 batters, including the final 13 in a row. That completed seven innings on an efficient 78 pitches. But aside from Alonzo's homer, the Mets, who were out home, were 21-9 by the Giants and Dodgers. Failed to come up with timely hitting, and that has basically been that same tune over and over again through this 13-game stretch. Mets hung tough with these teams. But somehow they end up losing, finding a way to lose by the end of the game. They need to capitalize on, on these big moments. And if they don't do it in the next five weeks, it's over. And they have very, 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 very little room for error. But the one encouraging sign, like I said, was Carlos Carrasco. Uh, when Chris Bryant hit that home run off him, I said, oh, no, he's going to get racked again. The scoreboard, I was at the game yesterday. Showed his ERA like over nine at that point. But then he went lights out. He showed up and had everything. Uh, the fastball velocity spiked up, up to 96, and that did a lot. And that's the Carlos Carrasco we expected. So if he can do that every five innings, five games or so, we'll take it. Uh, he had been encouraged Carrasco with his last outing, which was three runs over five innings and a 3-2 loss to the Dodgers. And uh, yesterday he was tagged by a leadoff single by Lamont Wade Jr. And then a first pitch blast into the seats by Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, I knew it. I sit up behind the plate in the upper deck behind home plate, and I knew Chris Bryant launched this baby. Now, one recurring trend remains that Carrasco used 10 run runs in the first inning over six starts and only eight and 17 and third innings after. Maybe we should just start the games in the second inning for Carlos Carrasco or have a designated starter. Who knows? But the veteran righty was reached for only a third inning double by Tommy Lestella over the next six frames. And like I said, he handed over a 2-2 tie to reliever Seth Lugo, who had to go ahead and run the eighth. The outing marked Carrasco's longest start since he also lasted seven innings September 20th of last season for Cleveland against Detroit. Now, let's face it, Carrasco missed three months, and uh, it's going to take him time to get back to normal. Uh, this just doesn't happen overnight when you've been sidelined like he has. But he did strike out five and walk none. And uh, I think it was a major step for Carlos Carrasco yesterday. But, you know, the Mets playing these games close just ain't going to cut it. Uh, you know, 
second place is nice. But when two teams play, second place means you lost the game. Uh, and now Pete Alonzo's the eternal optimist. Hey, so am I. But we do know that we have our work cut out in front of us. And even Steve Cohen's rooting from the, the Twitter world. So, uh, And you'd like to see Francisco and Thor do something already. I mean, it's getting, the Met fans are losing their patience. And I can't blame them. It's hard-earned money. I spend my hard mo money out there. I know I asked them to be competitive, and they were competitive last night. Uh, but it was a one-run loss. Would you rather be blown out? Would you rather lose a game by one run? I think one-run games are usually a residue of luck sometimes as well as skill. So maybe it will turn. Maybe not this year, but somewhere down the line, it's going to return. Well, the good news about returning is Thomas Nito actually uh, is nearing his return, and James McCann is stepping forward, so at least we'll have our regular catchers back. And we lost both of our catchers in the span of three days last week. Now, there is optimism Nito could be activated in time for Friday's game against the Nationals, Rojas said Thursday. Nito went on a 10-day injury list on August 15th with a left thumb, left thumb sprain, wasn't taking batting practice on the field, throwing to bases in recent days. Now, McCann, he joined Nito for batting practice on Thursday. He's feeling better. But, unfortunately, he's still experiencing some back tightness and certain movements after going on the I.L. on August 17th. And who would have thought in the beginning of the year Patrick Mazzico would be catching all these games in August? Well, he started for the eighth time in the past nine games Thursday night. He went 0 for 3, with Chancisco backing him up. And Rojas said he did a good job. He received really well. He's followed the plan real well. He's kept us in the game with the pitchers. Now, Louis Guillaume started a rehab assignment Thursday night with Triple A Syracuse. The infielder has been on the injured list since August 1st with a left hamstring strain, played five games, and went one for three with a strikeout. Joining Guillaume in the Syracuse lineup was Jose Martinez, who had been in the IL since spring training, after tearing the meniscus in his left knee. The veteran first baseman right fielder was on the 19th day of a 20-day rehab assignment clock, but exited the game in the fourth inning after appearing to hurt his arm on a swing. Who even remember we had Jose Martinez on the squad? <laughs> yeah, he can't play defense, but he can hit when he's hot. Now, Jacob DeGrom came through his first day of playing catch Wednesday, feeling good, and did it again Thursday, extending to about 50 feet, and he said no complaints. Uh, Gazelman, torn lat, scheduled throw off the mound this weekend, according to Rojas. Right-hand pitcher, pitcher Steven Nagosek in shoulder inflammation gave a one-run in one inning of rehab outing with well A St. Lucie. Rojas said he spoke with Taiwan Walker after the right-hander was unhappy upon being pulled from Wednesday's loss to the Giants, a decision that immediately backfired. Rojas had this to say, he said, guys are always going to show their emotions out there when they're in the middle of competition. I want that. We're on the same page with things. I have great respect for Ty. He's a great pitcher. We trust him. And he threw the ball a great Wednesday. But that being said, I still disagree with the decision. But then again, I'm not manager of Mets. And another optimistic thing is Noah Syndergaard uh, pitched yesterday. Now, he's been told not to throw sliders. Uh, 
for the remainder of the season. So well, I guess we're just going to be seeing some heat from Noah, and that's basically a health issue for him. Uh, he was medically advised not to throw the slider for the remainder of the season. He did allow a leadoff home run, but thereafter completed the first inning as planned to start his latest minor league rehab start against Aberdeen at Mamodi's Park. It marked his first game action since his initial rehab assignment following 2020 Tommy John elbow surgery. And uh, that assignment was halted in May due to discomfort in his repaired elbow. He did say it felt great to be out there, especially after the scare he had three months ago. And uh, he's showing concern. He says anytime you have that type of setbacks with that sort of injury and rehab, it's a little scary. Now, Syndergaard coughed up a home run to the first battery to face with more sparks and an 0-2 fastball that registered 95 miles per hour. Variety also hit Dorian Turchin with a pitch with one out before striking out A.J. Graffinino and retiring Maverick Hanway on a first pitch ground out to complete the inning at 16 pitches, 12 of them strikes. Acting Metchnell manager Zach Scott has said multiple times he expects the 28-year-old Wrighty to return as a reliever to possibly help the bullpen in September. Scott said Tuesday that Mets envisioned Syndergaard as a multi-inning threat and relief, a role the pending free agent said he's willing to fill. So Noah's going to be a team player about this, and he even said he's pretty flexible. It didn't matter to him, and he wants to go out there and compete and help the team whatever way he can and pitch in some meaningful baseball games. Now, Syndergaard explained that his doctors, David Alcheck and Neil Atrache, have advised him to not throw a slider because they believe that pitch likely contributed to his previous shutdown. He said he decided not to throw his curveball for the rest of the year for that reason. Instead, will concentrate on his two-seam and four-seam fastballs and a changeup during shorter relief outings. So he's basically going to be built to be a reliever, and we'll see how that works out. Because uh, you don't need as many pitches when you're a reliever. So... I mean, Noah's been focused on his recovery for the last 17 months. And he really hasn't panicked or, you know, tried to force his way back. So hopefully he's doing it the right way and we could all benefit from it. We being us Metropolitan fans. Now, what we could also buy, uh, actually help our ego and our status as fans is Francisco Lindor. And again, the murmurs are starting at City Field. I was at the game yesterday, and you could hear throughout the stands when Lindor struck out as a pinch hitter to lead off the inning in Wednesday's game. Uh, at City Field, and fans are losing their patience with Francisco. And unfortunately, that's what's going to happen when you're being paid the big bucks. So just kind of recapping everything that's gone on in Metland. Cookie Carlos Carrasco had his best start as a Met, but the offense couldn't muster much, and we were swept by the Giants. Pete Alonso provided the only runs for the Mets with a two-run homer, and he's still confident the team can flip the script. you got to love his enthusiasm. And Thor began a rehab assignment with the Cyclones, and uh, he won't be throwing his sliders this season. And Willie Guillaume began a rehab assignment on Thursday. So that's going to kind of lead us into the weekend series against the Nationals. You ready for the Nationals? Maybe they're a team we can beat? I sure hope so. <laughs> uh, what are we going to watch for when we play the Nationals? We're going to watch for anything that comes our way that's positive. All, ki all kidding aside. 
A few things have to happen. We need to have Francisco Lindor's bat awaken. Uh, now, he did miss five weeks with the rehab assignment. So he hasn't hit the ground running offensively. But in his 11 bats since returning, he's only reached base once on an infield single. And uh, the Boo Birds are out at City Field. So we need him, and we need Tyler McGill. He got, had his roughest start when he gave up 11 hits, including four homers and seven runs and three and two-thirds innings against the Giants to bounce back. And it looks like he's going to be going Sunday. So we kind of need a big game from him just to get back him on track. And how about Pablo Paolo Espino? He's, in, he's really an average pitcher, 4.28 ERA and just 6.9 strikeouts per nine. In 75.2 innings against the Mets. But he's allowed only just one run over seven innings and three appearances against the Mets. Now we also need Pete Alonso to go on a hitting tear. Uh, he's one shy homer of 30 homers. He's really come a long way with that. He's on pace to finish the year with 37. It'll be nice to see him do that. Now, how about Edwin Diaz? Where's he been? MIA. He's been lights out lately, blowing only five hits and two runs over his last 11 appearances while striking out 15. But the Mets haven't had any reason to use him since last Sunday. They were swept by the Giants. Diaz stayed mostly glued to the bullpen bench, briefly getting loose weight during Thursday's game in case the Mets tied things or took the lead. But let's face it, because the Mets in aptitude, they went 2-11 against the Giants and LA Dodgers. And Diaz just pitched twice since August 13th. Okay, now it's that time of the day where we do our Met Trivia and Jeopardy questions of the day. Here are the two Jeopardy clues for you. We're going to do Jeopardy first. Mix it up. Maybe I'll turn, away, turn the Mets around. Traded by the Marlins to the New York Mets in exchange for Ricardo Cespedes and Mirande Gonzalez on July 28, 2017. In May 2008, suffered a shoulder strain that would keep him out for the rest of the season. He became a free agent on October 29, 2018. That's your Jeopardy for today. And now here's your trivia question. What Met has the highest career OPS in City Field history? Minimum 400 plate appearances. Lock in your answers. We'll be back at the end of the podcast to tell you how you did. And I'm sure you're going to do well. Okay, put on your Met birthday hats. We got a few to celebrate today. Three, actually. First one is Mike Maddox. Who remembers Mike Maddox? Pitched with us in 93-94. Teams weren't that good, but Mike actually pitched a lot of ball games. In 93, he pitched 58 games. Had a respectable 3.60 ERA in five saves. 94, he pitched 27 games with two saves and a 5.11 ERA. So Greg's little brother was a Met. And he is now 60. Happy birthday, Mike Maddox. Happy birthday to Brian McRae. McRae was part of those good teams in the late 90s, 97, 98, 99. All told, he played 300 games with 995 at-bats. 98 was his big year with the team. 552 at-bats. 21 homers, 70 on RBIs. And, uh... He had a pretty damn good year, 264 batting average. Now, he was traded with Turk Wendell and Mel Rojas by the Cubs to the New York Mets. He changed for Lance Johnson, Mark Kluck, and Manny Alexander. Big trade at the time. And uh, one that I'm happy with after all was said and done. Another Met player having a birthday, Nick Tropiano. Pitched one game for us last year. 
Pitch two innings. The area 4.50. Happy birthday, Nick Tropiano. And now let's go to some transactions that happened on this put on this date. On this date, one day before the anniversary, the day before we retired Jerry Kuzman's number, we celebrate the fact that in 1964, the Mets signed him as a free agent on this date. Yes, 57 years ago, the Mets inked Jerry Kuzman, and the rest is now Met history. And on this date in 1992, a huge trade. David Cohn was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays for Jeff Kent and Ryan Thompson. And on this date in 2004, Dan Wheeler was traded to the Houston Astros for Adam Seuss. I wonder if he was related to Dr. Seuss. And on this date, Mets traded Marlon Byrd in 2013 and John Buck to the Pirates for Vic Black and Dilson Herrera. Who remembers Dilson Herrera? I thought he was going to have such a bright future with the team and it never really transpired, did it? Now let's talk about some of the stuff that happened on this date in Met history. On this date in 1969, the Mets beat San Diego 4-1. Now why is that significant? Well, it was their 74th victory of the year. What makes that significant? Well, it set a club record. The Mets had never won 74 games, so 69 Mets did it. Big day in Met history. And on this date, who remembers Benny Ayala? On this date in 1974, Benny shone through. He homered in his first major league at bat. And the Mets topped the Astros 4-2. He was the first National League rookie to go deep in his first at-bat in 13 years. So way to go. Way, way to go. And on this date in 1992, as we mentioned, big, big trade. Cone was traded to the Blue Jays. David Cone. The Coneheads weren't happy. But they did get Jeff Kent. And Ryan Thompson. Ryan Thompson wants to be his great five-tool player. And we know Jeff Kent, he probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Great slugging second baseman. But neither really developed into the superstars they could have been with the Mets. Jeff Kent had to go elsewhere to do it. And now because of this trade, David Cohn will miss leading the National League in strikeouts by one. As John Smoltz registers a K on the final day of the season. Cohn, who had led the NL in strikeouts the past two seasons... Would have been the league's first pitcher in 50 years to lead league in strikeouts for three consecutive years. David Cohn. Who didn't love David Cohn? Now, on this day in 2013, Marlon Bird is traded by the Mets along with John Buck and Cash the Pirates. For a player renamed later, Vic Black, as I mentioned before, and minor leaguer Dilson Herrera, who really had potential but never panned out. And the funny thing about this trade was, Bird is no longer on the roster. Team follows through on its planned promotion, giving away Marlon Bird t-shirts before the game. After he was just traded. Go figure that. We're giving away shirts to a guy who's no longer on the team. Only in Medville, folks. Only in Medville. Okay, now we're going to talk about what's going on in the greatest Mets baseball, baseball group on Facebook there is. New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. So if you're listening to this podcast and aren't a member of the group, please do join. We'd love to have you. Great content on that site. Great people. Great conversation every day. 
And if you listen to this podcast and are not a subscriber yet, please subscribe. You'll be updated every time a new episode is uploaded. We try to do one every day, and most of the time we do. And you'll be a, have access to the entire library of all the podcasts. And if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm at philstan41gmail.com. Now, what's going on in the group? Well, let's, let's scroll through here and uh, see. Oh, I told you about Steve Cohen's uh, tweet yesterday when someone said, way to go, Steve, summarizing here, way to go to Metro 1 and 12. But Cohen says, well, I hope if we win, but I hope we win, but if we lose, we're much better than that. We're 2 and 11. He corrected the young Jen. Marty Rose says, and I, I agree with Marty here. He says, you cannot blame the new owner for the inheritance. What happens in the offseason this year will be on him. Now, I mentioned that prior to the 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and Giants, the Mets' home record was 36-20, and 20, and their record in one-run games was 25-17. and 17. Now, during that 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and Giants, they were 0-6 at home and 0-7 in one-run games. Now, in the month of August, the Mets have the lowest OPS with runners in scoring position in National League, 539, and only the Orioles have the lower OPS with runners in scoring position among all major league teams this month, 456. So the Mets really have not been hitting well. Then I asked, do you agree with Taiwan, Louis Rojas' decision to remove Taiwan Walker? I did a poll. 100% of you said, no, you do not agree with the decision. And uh, Jason Lynch said, absolutely not. Rojas has to go. We'll never win with him. He's been hurt. He's been mismanaging the staff all year. Eileen Runner says, I would have that last night's game. You got to hear the fans' reaction when we took him out. Fire Rojas. And I mentioned that Taiwan Walker was quoted to say, uh, Todd Zeal was quoted on SNY talking about the Taiwan Walker situation and said, once in a while you've got to make a decision based on your eyes instead of your iPad. Jason Lynch again with a great comment. He's 100% correct. Rojas has to go. So those are some of the things we're talking about in baseball group so check it out and uh join in like we also mentioned that Mets fired Jed Dallas Green and replaced him with Bobby Valentine Jason Lynch said this was a huge upgrade a fantastic move Mark Regal says how about today's Mets fire Rojas and replace him with show okay it's time to check in and see how you guys did on the uh, Mets trivia and Jeopardy questions of the day Jeopardy was two clues traded by the Miami Marlins to the New York Mets in exchange for Ricardo Cespedes and Miranda Gonzalez on July 28, 2017. May 2018 suffered a a shoulder strain that will keep him out for the rest of the season. He became a free agent on October 2018. Well, the correct answer is, who is A.J. Ramos? And congrats to Met Die Hard fan David J. Rubin on being the first to submit the correct response. Now the trivia question was, what Met has the highest career OPS in city field history, minimum 400 plate appearances? Well, the correct answer is J.D. Davis with a 903 OPS. Congrats to overall Met Wiz when it comes to trivia and Jeopardy. Jason Lynch on being the first to submit the correct answer. Job well done, gents. Well, what's out here in the background? A theme to Connor's Corner. That can mean only one thing. Wrapping up another episode of New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, the podcast. Now, again, I want to thank you all for checking in, listening, and lending your support to this podcast. 
<clears throat> I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say the Mets are going to win this series against the Nationals. And hopefully we'll be back tomorrow with the Mets happy recap. Today we have Rich Hill on the mound. Hopefully he finds his thrill on the New York Mets Hill. I see 6-5 with a 4.13 ERA. He's going against Paul Espino, who's pitched well against the Mets. He's playing 4 with a 4.28 ERA. Games at 7-10. City Field. Uh, flushing by the Bay. They're giving away a replica of Noah Syndergaard for the first 25,000 out there. So if you're on the fence about going out, you want a Noah jersey, go out there and get one. And hopefully we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the happy recap tomorrow. Stay cool. It's still hot and humid as hell out there. And uh, let's go Mets. We'll talk soon.